We're continuing this series called The Church, Which is His Body. Um, and uh, I wanted just to mention that we, that we not lose sight of the big picture. When we, like today, when we take a time and we're looking at a particular gift today, that we, you know, it's easy to get honed in on that gift or the gifts and forget the big picture. We started this series in, in Ezekiel 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones. And uh, what's happening is that the Lord Jesus has gathered a, a, a people through his blood, through his resurrection. The Lord Jesus has gathered people, put life into us, redeemed us, and then caused us to get together like the rattling of the bones. And he has been building and is building and will continue to build his church, which is his body, so that we in the earth can present and further his kingdom in the earth. That was his prayer. Your kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. And so the the, the big picture is that Jesus is anointing and gifting his church to go out into culture, to go out into society and bring the gospel out there and to encourage one another. And so when we look at a particular gift, I want us just to make sure that we see that particular gift in the context of his church, which is his body. He is the head. And we're doing the work in the earth. We we began this series by doing that. We talked about connections, uh, that God puts us together in their joints that were life flows. We talked about uh, that we have life together through fellowship. And then we began this trek of the gifts. And we've been dealing with the gifts for quite some time. We started off with the leadership gifts. We moved to the gifts in Romans uh, 12. We called it the gifts that are differing from the Father, or gifts from the Father that are differing. And uh, for the last little while, we've begun in the, in the nine gifts of the Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 12. And, uh, and so today we will, uh, in a moment, we'll read uh, that's that passage, and we'll deal today with the word of knowledge. I want to tell you that knowledge is a good thing. I, I read about two tourists who were driving through Nova Scotia. They were approaching a town called, I had to look this up, Tatamagoosh. They start arguing about the, how you pronounce that name. I would have had to argue, too, if I didn't have the Internet to look it up. <clears throat> they argued back and forth until they stopped for lunch. And then as they stood at the counter, one of the tourists decided to settle their argument by asking uh, the employee, before we order, could you please settle an argument for us? Would you please pronounce where we are very slowly? And the employee said, Burger King. <laughs> knowledge is a good thing. As long as you have the right knowledge. Well, uh, the dynamic gifts of the Spirit. And again, today we find ourselves at the word of knowledge. Last Sunday we dealt with the word of wisdom. And uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to look for a little bit at, at the gift of the word of knowledge and what it isn't. Sometimes it's good to know what it's not. We're also going to look at what it is and its functionality. And then we'll close out 
with some biblical and life examples of the exercising of the word of knowledge. So if you would uh, turn with me, if you haven't already, to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Uh, and uh, I'm reading again from the English Standard Version, if you wouldn't mind standing while we read the word of God. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And I said last Sunday, that's why we're doing this series. We don't want you to be uninformed, or your Bible may say ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities or energies, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance or the word of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You can be seated. And I said last Sunday, it's just as true today, verse 11 is really the key verse here, that we understand that it's the Holy Spirit who apportions the gifts, it's the Holy Spirit who administers the gifts as he wills, and he does it individually. So today we come to the word of knowledge. The ESV says the utterance of knowledge. And so we want to talk just for a few minutes about what it's not. And 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 some and let me just say in advance, uh, some of what it's not are not good are not bad things. It's just it's not natural knowledge or something that we have learned. Again, those are not bad things, but that's not what we're talking about when we say the word of knowledge. I, I mentioned two Sundays ago or I think that uh, some some people mark the beginning of what we know or what we knew as the charismatic movement or the charismatic renewal. Some people mark that event when uh, an Episcopalian priest by the name of Dennis Bennett stood up in his church and told them that he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and he now prayed in, in tongues. And they promptly pressured him to resign, and he did. Uh, Dennis Bennett said a supernatural uh, the word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of facts past present or future which were not learned through the efforts of the natural mind so that's we we're dealing with the natural word of knowledge it's not something we've learned it's not the gift of all knowledge or one thing we can't get all knowledge paul writes in first corinthians 13 that we know in part for we know in part and that's that's our human existence by the way and that's by design by the way that we would know in part um, don't you remember that God said you can don't don't partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and naturally as human beings well, that's the first thing we go to. Uh, but we know in part, and the word of knowledge um, is all the knowledge we need for that moment. 
We'll, we'll get to that. But that's, it's not all the knowledge, but it's all the knowledge we need. It's not also not a simple knowing God. Now, let me just say, I think this is the, the basic, the most important part of our Christian, our Christian experience, and that is knowing God, relationship with God. But that's not what this is. This is part of that. It's also not just knowing God's Word. Now, you know me, that both of those are extremely important to me. Knowing God and knowing God's word, but that's not what this is. When we talk about the word of knowledge, we're not talking about either one of those. Eli, in First Samuel, Eli had a vast knowledge of God because he was the priest in the temple. And, uh, and he knew God's word. But it was Samuel, who was a child, uh, who was given a word that was direct from the throne of God. If you go back and read... First Samuel, I don't remember, chapter 3, 4, I forget where it appears. Uh, but Samuel lies down in the temple and God says, Samuel. And Samuel jumps up and runs to Eli and says, what is it you want? And he said, I didn't call you. And so he goes, lays back down and the Lord said, Samuel. And he jumps up and he runs to Eli again. He said, well, what do you want? And he said, I, I didn't call you. So he goes back and lays down and the third time he says, Samuel. The Lord says, Samuel. He runs to Eli and Eli must have been getting old at this point because it took him three times to figure this thing out. And he said, oh, uh, I think the Lord may be speaking to you. So he goes back, and, of course, the Lord was speaking to him, but it wasn't Eli. He, uh, Samuel heard a word from God. Eli didn't. And we know Eli had his own problems, especially with his sons. So we know that's what it is. What is the word of knowledge. Well, here's a definition that, that may help us, besides the one that Dennis Bennett gave us. The, it's the bestowal of certain facts, and here's a key, from the mind of God, which he sees fit to reveal to one of his servants supernaturally by his spirit. And we're, and we're going to give you more of that, but I want us to see that. It's the bestowal of certain facts from the mind of God which he sees fit to reveal to one of his servants. In that moment, we said two weeks ago that these nine gifts are particularly momentary gifts. Word of knowledge is is a supernatural insight. It's an understanding of a circumstance or a situation. It may even be an understanding in a problem. Or it may be just a body of facts that we gain without any kind of assistance from human beings or human resource. It's only a portion, this is important, it's only a portion of God's storehouse of knowledge. How many of you know if God gave us all of his knowledge at once, we would feel real good for about 30 seconds. And then we'd have smoke coming out our ears and we'd be fried. Because the human being... Again, I mentioned, I don't remember, two Sundays ago or last Sunday, that God takes Moses, put him in the cleft of the rock, turns him around, puts his hand over him, and passes by with his back to him, and he still comes down the mountainside with white hair because of the glory of God. So it's not, it's it's just a portion of God's knowledge. Um, A word of knowledge could be, and, and often is, a definite knowing that comes to us maybe in a dream, uh, maybe in a vision, maybe we're reading scripture and God speaks a word of knowledge to us in a particular situation and is quickened to our spirit. And that's what, that's what a word of knowledge is. 
It's important to know that the gifts of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge often work together. How many of you know that if you have knowledge but you don't have wisdom, you're in trouble? You're in trouble because we said last week that the word of wisdom was being able to right, rightly apply knowledge. So often when we receive a word of wisdom, um, a word of knowledge, we see a word of wisdom at the same time. I'm not trying to get too mechanical here, but understanding that this is just something that God speaks to us in a moment that we need or someone else needs. And I'm going to give you in a moment, I'm going to give you some biblical examples and some life examples, but it's, it's when, when God supernaturally drops something in your mind and it's something you couldn't have known. And there's no way you could have read it. There's no way you could have understood it. Often it's about is speaking to someone about their life or their situation. And it's often, almost always, something that you could not have known. Now, again, we said when we started this part of the series that these gifts were not intended to make us spooky or to make us weird. And, of course, you, I told you that some of you, it's too late. But... Uh, We'll deal with that anyway. So biblical examples of the word of knowledge, and there are a lot of them. And I said last Sunday, how many of you realized that the Holy Spirit was at work in the Old Testament? I know I know. sometimes the Old Testament gets a bad rap, and uh, I, I get kind of tired of people who, well, that was the Old Testament. Well, yeah, the old and new, they all make up the Bible. And the Old Testament's the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament's the Old Testament revealed, and they go together. So, in, you don't need to look it up, but in 1 Samuel 9 and 10, Saul has lost his donkeys. Now, boy, that's a joke there that I just got to leave it alone. Mm. Yes. And in, this, in those two chapters, 9 and 10, you will find Samuel tells Saul, 24, two dozen things that there's no way Samuel could have known. And I, I'm not going to give you all of them. I'm just going to give you a few. He tells him that uh, that he's out hunting his father's donkeys. They're lost. No way Samuel could have known that except God gave him a word of knowledge. Uh, he tells him that those donkeys have been lost for three days. How in the world he, could he know that? He tells them, by the way, uh, they've already been found. They're back, they're back at your farm. They're back at your father's farm. Uh, and, and that since your, your father's donkeys have been found and returned to the stable, now your father's worried about you and he's out looking for you. Now again, this is Samuel talking to Saul without any knowledge. I mean, he doesn't, there's no way he could have known. There was no text message or Instagram or Snapchat or, I'm uh, probably missing one because I don't use hardly any of those things. Um, Twitter. Hey, Twitter. Uh, flitter away. Anyway, he said they've already been found, and now he's worrying about you, and he's out looking for you. And he said, now, when you leave here, you're going to meet two men on your way back home. Guess what happened? He met two men. He said... Uh, then you're going to meet three men on your way to Bethel. Guess what happened? 
He met three men. But he went even further. He said, now one of them's going to be carrying three baby goats. One of them's going to be carrying three loaves of bread. One of them's going to be carrying a bottle of wine. And so forth and so on. So, and that's what happened. He meets these three guys. One of them's got the goats. One of them's got the bread. One of them's got the wine. I don't know what kind of party they were about to have. But anyway, this is something that Samuel saw. This is something that Samuel understood that there's no way he could have had this knowledge. No way he could have known this. Then there's a story in Joshua 7. Again, we're not going to turn. About they go to battle against Ai and they're defeated. And we learned that in that battle, a man named Achan, A-C-H-A-N, has violated. God says, when you go in to do battle, there are certain things that I have prescribed as holy, certain things that I have prescribed that you are not to touch and not to take. Leave those alone. Well, naturally, Achan goes in and takes those things. You know, they, they, they defeat Jericho. Uh, and so they ta- he takes these things that God said don't take. And so because of that, at Ai, they get defeated. Uh, and also there's another problem that, that has, that, uh, that's a side note, and that is when, when, J- when Joshua went into Jericho, he sought God. Went in and went into Ai, he said, I got this. He didn't seek God, and they were defeated. And so the Lord says to Joshua, here's the problem. One of your guys took the stuff, but I told you not to take. Joshua didn't know this. I mean, it's a big army. Joshua has no, has no way he could have known. One of your guys. And so have them come out and assemble. Of course, they reveal that it's Achan. You know, I don't want to blow your mind, but God killed Achan and all of his family. I'm not going to try to explain that. I'm just going to tell you that's what the Scripture says. But the Lord spoke this to Joshua, and Joshua had no idea. Then there's the occasion when uh, Jesus is walking around, and Philip finds his buddy Nathaniel, and he says, Hey, dude, we have found the Messiah. Hey, man, we found Jesus. You need to come meet this guy. And, And so... They, they go to, to meet Jesus, and the Scripture says that Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, which meant they weren't together. They were some distance away. So Nathanael's coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now, as far as we know, and the reaction of Nathanael indicates this, they had not met before this moment. They had not met. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? You see, I'm pretty quick. When I read, how do you know me, I pick up from that, that he didn't know him. Come on, people. Yeah, that's the word of knowledge right there. And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, before Philip came to you and said, hey, let's go meet this guy, I saw you. Sitting under a fig tree. So Jesus sees Nathaniel before Philip ever even approaches him. Sitting under a fig tree. Now we told you last week, I gave you four or five verses of scripture last Sunday. 
to show you how that Jesus, while he was, while he was fully God and fully man, while he was on the earth, he had emptied himself and he operated by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit while he was on the earth as a human being. And if you want those verses, if you wasn't here, I'll give them to you again. But it was very clear that Jesus chose, by the way, I said, he was just as much God while he was on the earth as he was when he was in heaven. But he chose to empty himself, Philippians 2, so that he could operate by the power of the Holy Spirit. So now we have the Holy Spirit giving Jesus a word of knowledge. He sees Nathaniel under the fig tree. And it, not only that, get this, he knows this is a guy in whom there is no deceit and they haven't met. But the, what happens is the Holy Spirit revealed this to the Lord Jesus in that moment. Y'all okay with that? All right. Well, then, then you got this occasion where the Pharisees approach Jesus and say, hey, you know what? You're not paying your taxes. You, you guys are not paying your taxes like you're supposed to. You know, they had to deal with that then just like we do today. Uh, so Jesus says, well, I'll tell you what. Peter, you, you go down there and go fishing. And the first fish that you catch is going to have a coin in his mouth. Wouldn't you like to pay your taxes this way? The first fish you catch is going to have a coin in his mouth. Now, first of all, of course, Peter was a fisherman, but he had to assume that he was going to catch a fish. But then he knew by a word of knowledge that that particular fish was going to have the coin in his mouth that they would pay their taxes with. And like I say, if you ever wanted to exercise in the word of knowledge, this is where you really ought to give it a whirl right here now. Get your taxes paid. We said last week, by the way, that the word of wisdom was when they said some things to him about not paying the taxes. And he said, well, give me that coin. And it's got uh, Caesar's image on it. So render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. That's a word of wisdom. Word of knowledge told him, the Holy Spirit showed him, there's a fish out there in the water. And that fish has a coin in his mouth. And Peter will catch him and pay the taxes. Y'all sure are quiet. I had a word of knowledge right, y'all. Jesus, Jesus is on his way, and he, and he says, uh, the Bible says that he must go through Samaria. John chapter 4, if you're taking notes. He must go through Samaria. I like it how the Bible says that he needed to. Why did he need to go through Samaria? Well, for one thing, it was a shorter distance to go that way, but that's not why he needed to go. He needed to go because there was a woman there that he needed an encounter with. And by the way, they both gained from that encounter. She gained because he presented the gospel to her, and he gained because she had his lunch. Another topic for another day. So he goes, he makes this trip and he's sitting by the well and she comes out in the middle of the day. Why is she coming out in the heat of the day? Because she's a lady of ill repute and she doesn't want to come out to the well when everyone else is there. She doesn't want to hear the taunting and the negative comments. And so she's there in the middle of the day and Jesus said, hey, could you give me something to drink? She said, you asked me for something to drink. 
And we don't have anything to do with you. Samaritans don't have anything to do with Jews, and Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. And literally, in the in the Greek text, in that in that passage, it literally says, "You and I don't eat out of the same dish. We don't share utensils." And he said, "That's okay." He knew something, and he said, "Go go get your husband." And she said, "I don't have a husband." And he said, "You are correct. You do not have a husband. You've had five. You had five husbands. I, I don't. I don't think this was wagging the finger. You ill, rude scoundrel. I think it was. I know something that the Holy Spirit has shown me about you, and that is that you had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. Jesus would be politically incorrect today. And of course, what happens next? is that she says, she runs into the town and says, hey, you need to come see a man. He told me some stuff that I don't know how he knew, but he knew. And the whole town believed in Jesus Christ. And the disciples came back with Big Macs and Whoppers. (laughs) And they said, hey, here's we brought some food. And Jesus said, well, my food is to do the will of the Father. Well, you know why? She had his lunch. Have you ever ministered to somebody, shared somebody, a word with somebody, shared the gospel with somebody, and when you walked away from that encounter, you you were ready? It's because they had your lunch. By the way, who has your lunch? Who out there has your lunch? You need to find them. Because the encounter satisfies. And the encounter that Jesus had with this woman satisfied something in him, a need. Of course, it satisfied her. And then they're sitting around the table. (laughs) My wife showed me a picture this week of the Jesus and the disciples at the Lord's Supper. And the 12 disciples were sitting around the table and and it said something to the effect of, and Jesus knew uh, that there was a betrayer in their midst. Because 11 of the disciples had Chick-fil-A and one had Popeye's. (laughs) I haven't had the Popeye's chicken sandwich yet, but I love Popeye's. So anyway, not just the cartoon, but anyway, so they're sitting around this table and Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And then they start saying, is it, he, is it me? Is it him? Is it them? Is it, who, who is it? And, you know, I'm sure some of them thought maybe it was going to be me. I don't know. Who, who's going to betray me? There was no way that Jesus could have known. I mean, Jesus gave the bank to Judas. Je- Jesus gave the money bag to Judas. And he kept it. And we know that he was a thief. But he still gave him the money bag. But the Holy Spirit gives Jesus this word of knowledge. I don't know when this occurred. I don't know if it occurred sitting at that table or sometime prior to this, the the Lord, the Holy Spirit revealed to Jesus. But at some point, he got a word of knowledge that Judas was his betrayer. And he says to him, go do what you need to do. Go do what you need to do. Think about Judas sitting at that table. 
you know, wondering why he has a Popeye sandwich. Sitting at that table with all the other disciples, having his church face on. We don't know how to do that, do we? Yes, we do. We know how to put on our church face. We know how to we know how to make it, you know, walk in the the sanctuary, walk in the meeting room, and boy, all of a sudden it lights up. You know, we might have just got through railing against someone. We might have just got through uh, seeing blue language come out of our mouth. Um, I, you know, anyway, maybe, maybe not. But we get in here or anywhere else with God's people, and well, that face lights up. Judas was, had his church face on, and Jesus saw through it. The other disciples didn't see it. They didn't know it. You'd think if he had the given behavior that indicated that he was going to betray Jesus, they would not have been wondering, who is it going to be? They would have said, oh, it's that guy right there. He's been behaving. No, he was acting like the rest of them. And Jesus said, you, he's the one. John 13, if you're taking notes. It's not just biblical examples that we have of the word of knowledge. And it's not just current examples. There's a guy by the name of John Wesley who founded the Methodist denomination. It says that he was not an advocate of sensationalism in preaching. But on one occasion... He interrupted his own sermon and he shouted, Lord, is Saul among the prophets? And then he said this, is James Watson here? Now, Wesley preached to pretty large crowds. Is James Watson here? If he is, Lord God, show your power. The story says that James Watson dropped to the floor and began to cry loudly. For God's mercy. Now how would John Wesley know. That James Watson was there. And how would he know. That if James Watson was there. That he needed God to show him his power. Except. By a word of knowledge. From the Holy Spirit. In that moment. How about Charles Spurgeon. You don't think of these guys as charismatics. We're operating in the word of knowledge do you. Good. Maybe I need these. At a Monday evening prayer meeting, Charles Spurgeon suddenly interrupted his sermon. And when you interrupt your sermon, it's serious. He pointed in a certain direction. And he said, young man, how would you like to be sitting in the audience? And Charles Spurgeon is preaching. And he stops his preaching and he goes, young man. Wishing he had the pens or something on Young man, those gloves you are wearing have not been paid for. You have stolen them from your employer. Again, this is not Benny Hinn. This is Charles Spurgeon. (laughs) How did he know that? Word of knowledge. Holy Spirit showed him in that moment. Enough that he interrupted his own sermon. After the meeting, the young man came to the vestry and begged to see Spurgeon. Pale and trembling. The young man, I'd be pale and trembling too. The young man confessed that he had indeed stolen the gloves that he was wearing. He promised 
Never to steal again. I bet he didn't. If he did, he didn't come to a Spurgeon meeting. (laughs) And he begged Spurgeon not to expose him to his employer. We don't know whether he did or whether he didn't. And then there's the story of my wife's sister. She and her husband had been married, I don't know how many years, nine, ten. We began to think that they were never going to have children. And I don't remember if they were doing fertility or not, or they were going to think about doing it. But anyway, they were in a meeting, and there was a guy. The speaker was a guy by the name of Mike Evans. How many of you know who Mike Evans is? He's kind of the leader of the Jews for Jesus movement. And he was, this is over 40 years ago that this took place. And my wife's sister is not like her. She's very shy. Uh, of course, that one right there is kind of shy. If I tried to get up here and talk to you, she probably wouldn't do it. But her sister is very shy, shrinking, violent kind of shy. Never, you know. So they're in this meeting, and Mike Evans is preaching, and he says, there's someone in here tonight who's been trying to have children, and you haven't been able to. And the Lord says, if you'll come up here to, right now, he'll touch you. Well, she jumped up and ran down that aisle. I mean, nothing like, this is not like her at all. Not at all, nowhere close. She runs down there and Mike Evans prays for her. Nine months later, she had twins. Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. Well, again, the the gift of the word of knowledge is not, well, I've got something written here. Word of knowledge is not is given not for entertainment or amazement, but to benefit from the knowledge of God in any given situation. It's for the common good. You've heard me say repeatedly that the, these nine gifts of the Spirit are for blessing and encouraging one another in the body of Christ and in the church. But they're also, in my opinion, some of the greatest tools that God gives us for evangelism. As a matter of fact, the last time I spoke on this passage and on these gifts, I titled the series God's Power Tools. Because that's what these are. And when we think of the word of knowledge, and I said this before, but probably the word of knowledge is one of the one of the most useful gifts from God in evangelism that you can, I mean, if you say something to someone out there in the, in, in the world and they don't, they're not a follower of Jesus Christ and God gives you something about them that you can speak to them. Uh, I'll repeat, um, our brother Keith Curley, you heard, some of you heard me say this just a week or two ago, but anyway, our brother Keith Curley, who has preached here before, uh, preaches almost exclusively in Beirut, Lebanon. That's where most of his ministry is. He lives in Mobile, Alabama. He may be moving back here. I don't know. But he was preaching one night, and the guy comes down the aisle with with obvious harm in mind, obvious, you know, spouting, you know, I guess the guy, I don't know if the guy was a Muslim or what, but or whatever. But anyway, he's coming down the aisle with intent to do harm. And he comes and he stands in front of the pulpit and Keith stops preaching and looks down at him and he said, now what am, what, what am I going to do? Because this guy, who knows what he's going to do next? 
And the Lord spoke to Keith. He said, go down and whisper in his ear, why are you committing adultery on your wife? Now, obviously, he's never even met this guy. So how in the world does he know this? But it's in that moment God gives him this knowledge. So he does. He leaves the pulpit, goes down, whispers in the guy's ear, and says, why are you committing adultery on your wife? And, of course, the guy fell on the floor. Because God used that word of knowledge to break him and to break through. He fell on the floor and began to cry. And ultimately, that night, accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior because of a word of knowledge. So when you're dealing with people in the world, ask God to show you something. Ask God to show you something. And and don't be afraid to say, have you, do you, does this apply, does this mean anything to you? Because many times when God gives you that word and you say that, they'll go, what? How in the world did you know that? Well, God God's just showed me something. Use it for evangelism. And I'm going to finish with, and I did this last week and I'll probably do it every week. I encourage you to earnestly desire the word of knowledge. Going back to 1 Corinthians 14, 1, desire, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So I'm telling you today, I'm encouraging you today and asking you to earnestly desire the word of knowledge in your encounters with people, whether they be people in God's family or whether they be people who are not followers of Jesus Christ, that God would show you something that could be used to bring people to closer to him or into his kingdom to give him the glory. You okay with that? Stand with me.